Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about modern orthodoxy, religious Zionism, everything in between. My name is Uvain Spolter. We are back after a brief hiatus, pseudo-corona hiatus. Everybody's busy, but Baruch Hashem, everybody's back. Harabani Malibraski, looking bad, good. Are you feeling a little better? How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. I'm still, I have stuff to tell you. This Omicron is not just a, you know, walk in the park. There's um, still some hangover, but okay, Baruch Hashem. Good. You should be on the mend. Harabani Malibraski, you do tons of stuff. Uh, she is a Jewish educator specializing in Tanakh and Bachshev Yisrael. She is a social clinic, clinic no, not a, I want to be a social clinical worker. I think she's, she's, <laughs> that sounds a little scary. She's very social, but she, like, she's a clinical <laughs> social worker. She's also a social clinical social worker with a private practice in Gush Etzion. Now she is, are you still this year serving as a field advisor for YU's mm-hmm. Wurzweiler School of Social Work in Israel? I am indeed. You are. Wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're going to actually, you're going to put on your Jewish educator hat. We're also here with Harab Johnny Solomon. How are you doing, Harab Johnny? I'm good, thank you very much. Good, I see you redid your website. Very impressive. Is there anything that you haven't done? Website. Like you do a parsha class online, you teach Talmud every day, you edit uh, books, you you just published a I, you you wrote on Facebook that you, that a book that you that you ghost wrote of sermons is published. Is, is that true? I transcribed. I didn't ghost write. These are. Sermons of a rabbi living in the UK between 1944 to So, Sir, Johnny, I'm having a little trouble with electricity in my attic, and I'm wondering if you can come in and help me fix that. Are you? Is that something you do as well? I'm lousy. Somebody said, oh, you're so good at a whole bunch of things. They have, I'm useless on the practical things. So, you know, keep to your lane, rule number Save one. So I do what I do and the things I well, stay away from. Well, thank God, Harab, Johnny's lane is a 12-lane highway. My name is Dwayne Spalter. <laughs> I am the director of the Real Money Teacher Training Program at the Herzog College of Education, Herzog College in Israel. Actually, we're expanding that. I'm the head of, of professional development and also learning activities, uh, learning, develop, developing learning materials. If that's interesting to you, reach out. We, we're doing cool stuff. I'm the Shurashim representative at Sohar for English-speaking countries, which means I help people uh, find ways to prove they're Jewish so they can get married in Israel. I'm the founder and director of Kitai.org, the online Jewish classroom for families, and I also teach mission every day online 
We're all busy. We do tons of stuff. When are we going to talk about the fact that we're all like incredibly busy? We're going to we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks' time. I don't quite know when. How come Jewish educators do so many different things when they're living in Israel? When the, I don't even I don't think it's well. We'll talk about that when we talk about that. Well, it's uh, when you live outside of Israel, you do many things, but they aren't necessarily, you know, separate things. They're perhaps under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. Here we feel we're having to carry many different umbrellas. Okay, let's turn to our topic today, which is TikTok Torah. Of I would say, of course, if you've seen the the our our title. Um, but we want to frame the discussion in a way that we feel is productive. So in, in the in the modern Orthodox world, at least, everyone has been talking for the past week about Miriam Anzivin. Is that you pronounce, pronounce her name? Miriam Anzivin and her and her and her. What's it called? It's called Daf Yomi. I don't even know what the what the channel is called on TikTok. Reflections. Reflections. I don't even remember. Whatever. But uh, and she, her takes on Daf Yomi with her unique style that focuses very much on the interpersonal and the daf. We do not want to talk about Miriam Anzivin because we don't feel it's our place. We are three modern Orthodox Jewish educators coming from, a Jew, from an Orthodox perspective, and it's really useless for us to talk about her per se and the things that she's doing. Rather, we would like to talk about something very specific to our community, something very, very different, which is, oh, it's called daf reactions. Why ha- does daf reactions create such a strong response in our community, meaning on, on social media, in, in educators groups, there's just a hullabaloo of discussion about this, about this TikTok video series and others like it. What about it has struck a, such, a, such a strong chord? So Molly, I think I'd like to start with you and sort of focus on that question and frame it as any way you like if you're not uncomfortable with my framing. And then we'll, hopefully that will lead to, there's other issues that come from there for us. Again, we're not focusing on Miriam, we're focusing on our community. Why do you think it's really, why are we talking about this? Yeah, okay, so, so I do want to frame it a little differently. Um, I want to open by saying that I, I really do think, we, we don't want to talk about her, but I don't, I, I think because we're using her as a jumping off point, I, I want to start by saying that like, you know, if you look at what she's doing, there's a lot to admire about this woman, meaning, She's very clear about her purpose and her function and what she wants to do. And I would recommend people read articles in which she explains what she's doing. She she really believes she I think she was um, she grew up orthodox. She's no longer orthodox. Um, and I think it might have even been in response to anti-Semitism that she decided to start learning Yomi or she decided to, to do this. And her interest is in making Jewish texts, um, Jewish the, the, a Jewish connection, I think, stronger. And she does it by um, making the Dafyomi relatable to, I would say, the modern consumer. And I don't mean that in a critical way. It's literally only word I can, I can use. And she, by the way, she's, she, she knows exactly what she's doing, right? Like, there's something very consciously performative. And I'm not saying that as criticism. I'm, I'm saying that actually as a compliment. Like, she's she knows exactly how she's presenting herself. She knows exactly what kind of language she's using. She knows exactly her cadence and her tone. And, and and she's very, very successful. And she's doing a very good job of kind of finding the messages that she wants to, that, 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 are, that A, I think she believes in, and B, that she, want, that, that she knows will resonate with her population. Um, and, and, and find a kind of like a pathway into Jewish learning for, for those who are not necessarily already affiliated. And for that, like she's doing what she's doing and she's doing it well. Um, I do, for me, when you ask, like, why does it strike a chord? So it definitely struck a chord. I, I, but before I get to, like, the why, to, for me, what, like, struck me 
when when I started seeing all these reactions in the um, in the modern Orthodox world was a kind of confusion about how we as modern Orthodox Jews relate to her material. Um, and I was kind of surprised by 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 a certain what I would say is like a lack of clarity about how we as modern Orthodox Jews view what she's doing. Um, and, and I've been thinking about this for a while. And and what I would like to say is that I think that, and I like people throw on words like, well, is it reverent or is it irreverent? And what does irreverence mean? And is it is it just about, you know, the style? And is it just about the language? And 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 I think what, what we want to talk about, because as you said, we don't want to talk about that and pick her apart. And it's not about that. But I think that we do have to make a distinction that Rav Soloveitchik makes when he talks about um, the religious experience, okay? So I, I actually, this, I pulled a Johnny and I pulled a Safer off my shelf. This is from Shirei Harav, um, and it's from an article called The First Rebellion Against Torah Authority. Of course, because Ruby and, would never do that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, because Johnny's always doing that. We're sitting on our Zoom, right? And Ruby, I'm sure you're yeah, you see, this. You, you and we see, see Johnny, like, standing see, up. We're like, Johnny behind him. He's got all these books around him. Exactly. Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, like, Ruby and I are talking, and all of a sudden we see Johnny get up and, like, pull something off a shelf, and then he's, like, you know, reading something from a, from a Safer. That's why I said pull Johnny. Um, but basically, what he says is he, he talks about... Um, the essence of the religious experience. And I, I, I just want to talk about one aspect of what he says about the religious experience. Okay, so this is what he says. I'm just going to read this. There are hypnotic experiences of the arts or under the influence of drugs, which may be confused with religious experiences. The experience of beauty and the thrill of beautiful music are at the root secular emotions. Um, pagans had such orgiastic ceremonial and debauching rituals that they identified as religious experience. Okay. The essence of idolatry is the confusing of secular stimulation with actual dveikut, with Hashem. Okay. Um, says of Soloveitchik, but don't confuse a secular experience with the religious experience. Okay, this is what he says. The secular experience remains secular and does not move on to a religious experience. The Torah wants the religious experience to emerge out of itself, that is, out of a religious awareness and not out of aesthetic craving or external stimulants. Um, okay, and then he talks about, um, let's say, in shul, to pray and then to dance and sing, yes, meaning to be engaged in an authentic religious experience of tefillah. And then, Johnny's going to help Johnny's got a book, he's going to read back to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. To pray and then to dance and sing, yes, right? You're, 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 you're davening and it moves you so much that all of a sudden you burst into uh, singing and dancing, yes. To dance and sing in order to pray, no, right? Essentially, right, you could, you could be singing and dancing, but... Even if it's couched in a religious context, that's not necessarily a religious experience. So then I was thinking, well, what, what does make something a religious experience, right? Like, what, 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 where is that line that, that, that this is a religious experience and this is a fundamentally secular experience? Does that make sense so far, what I'm saying? I'm with you so far, but how does it can relate to the, to the TikTok videos? Okay, um, take, because take what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that these TikTok videos are not a religious experience. They are a secular experience. That's what I'm saying. It's a little harsh because I, I, I don't mean to be saying like, like she's using religious material, right? But, but, but there's something lacking that, that, that makes it not a, maybe religious isn't the right word for her stuff. Not maybe not a her. holy we're experience. We're speaking about not, us sharing right. it. So what I'm saying is teach. when we're watching, right. So what I'm saying is when we watch these 
these videos, we should recognize that something's lacking here that for us should be present in our maybe what we would call Talmud Torah experience. Because our Talmud Torah experience should be a religious experience, should be a spiritual experience. So then I was thinking, well, what makes it a spiritual experience? Like, what is that element? And I think the answer is, I mean, it's so simple and yet so, it's, like it's almost obvious, but it's just so true. It's, it's Avodah Hashem, right? Like, is what you're, is, are you doing this thing in order to serve God? Or are you doing this thing for another reason, which might not be a bad reason, right? Connecting Jews to their Judaism is not a bad reason. Uh, enjoying nature is not a bad reason. Singing and dancing because you you, 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 you you like think that that's amazing and you maybe even think that that's like a, again, spiritual is not a bad thing. However, if, it, if you want it to be um, religious, whatever, whatever, whatever the Rav is saying, right? Kodesh, holy, it has to be Avodat Hashem. And what does Avodat Hashem mean? It means that you're you're looking to fig, to to like what Lichtenstein calls a theocentric rather than an anthropocentric point of view. Is God at the center? Is your relationship with God at the center? Um, are you right? When we learn Torah, why are we learning Torah? Really, we're learning Torah in order to re- reveal to ourselves Hashem's will for us in the world, which also includes how we behave with other people, obviously, and that's all, all a part of it. But like, if you take out that element, then it's not. It's not the same type of Talmud Torah, which doesn't mean that it's a bad thing and that it's it's not a, a, a valuable thing and that it's not a wonderful thing and it's not even maybe you would going to call it Tashmishe Kedusha, right? It's something that, that, that brings people to Torah. But we as, as modern Orthodox Jews have to be aware of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the, that there actually is a difference between those two things. And if that thing is lacking, we have to notice it. Then once we notice it, we can talk about it. But what, what kind of surprises me is that people aren't sensitive to that distinction. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, he said it very well. I have a follow-up, but I don't want to. I want to bring Rav Jani in to sort of actually, Rav Jani, answer the same question in your own mind. Why are we preoccupied with this? And of course, you can ignore me as you sometimes do, and you can answer Molly's question or say whatever it is you wanted to say in, in that book that you pulled out. Take it away, Rav Jani. Okay. Well, I would I'd like if you would... Uh- Try to give some attention to why, why are we so interested in this? Why is it so important to us? Why are we so I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to respond directly to that question. Uh, my thoughts about the content and, and the theology uh, reflected in the content of, of Miriam's videos are, are for another time. For those who are interested, feel free to reach out to me. But I'll tell you why I think so many people are talking about these videos and why it's become commonplace over the past few days for people to ask me, what do you think? And those videos, and you know that TikToker, wherever I've been, that's been you know the opening conversation with people of different ages and stages. And um, I want to just take a step back and then, uh, and then uh, explain the fascination and why I too am fascinated. So uh, basing himself on the Rambam, the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, uh, really developed a certain hashkafa relating to technology. The Rambam basically said that Moshe Rabbeinu, given his power and influence, had a responsibility to use that platform to make the world a better place. And applying that, when television and videos were developed, he kind of applied that and said, given that this is a powerful platform, surely we must use that to make the world a better place, which is why Lubavitch was the first really to harness technology to, to teach about mitzvahs, Sheva mitzvahs b'nei noach, etc., etc. And that itself is, is certainly to be lauded. And uh, 
now we're looking at somebody who, within a, a, a short period of time, has developed, you know, tens of thousands of followers on a topic that, truth be told, doesn't generally attract tens of thousands of followers. And if it were to be, you already had those followers ahead of time. Meaning, if you're a Hasidic Rebbe and you've got tens of thousands of followers, they may well buy your safer on, on Gemara or something like that. But somebody who just opens a channel and starts producing content on Dafyomi, it really is quite extraordinary how her videos have gone so viral. And so I think it's important to distinguish between content and theology and method and style as a, as a Jewish educator who strongly believes in harnessing technology to make the world a better place. I look, notwithstanding some of my particular and personal reservations about about some of the ideas she shared and some of the way she shared it. And I say, wow, look at this. Somebody can pull this off. Somebody who doesn't have an automatic following, who is teaching complicated ideas, has been able to crack it, shall we say. They found the, if you could call it, the equation of making content sufficiently attractive and sticky that people who perhaps ordinarily would never be interested in Gemara and Dafyomi are now listening to her. And I say to myself, that's extraordinary. And I think one of the reasons people are discussing it is they're asking themselves, truth be told, how can they do that? How come they've not been doing that? What is it about these videos that make them so viral? Is this replicable? Which I think certainly people should at least give it a crack. And for those who've been stronger supporters, I've said, you know, kinat sofim tobe chokma. So kind of, even if you don't like the thing she's doing, we'll try your best to get in that space. But who would have thought it that uh, anybody, uh, and, and it's nothing to do with the particular background or uh, attitude of Miriam herself, that somebody's going to make videos on Dafyomi and quote text, and they're going to get so many followers. And that tells us a lot about how technology is used today and how we, especially within the modern Orthodox community, who strongly believe in the harnessing technology, could and should be doing more. And the fact that we haven't actually is a stark reminder that we should be stepping up. Yeah, Johnny, I want to push back on what you just said because you like you really like hit something. For me, that's a, you know, you know, I engage in using technology to teach Torah every single day and you do as well. You write a Davyomi thing. You've been doing it just as long as she has, you know, and, and I've been doing Mishnah for years and it's taken me literally years to build up. I don't have nearly that. She's got not tens of thousands. I checked 6,000 followers. It doesn't matter. But the problem well, is... Some videos have been seen 35,000 times or something. Whatever. Like that. that one video got a lot, a lot, a lot of run. Okay? But then okay, that's, that's that. fine. But perhaps one of the reasons why she gets her... Like her, her attractiveness is stems from her, I would say her, I, I'm looking for the word, but it's criticism or criticism of an attitude towards, towards the Gemara, which you and I and someone who is a classic learner of Torah would never have. I mean, there's a, there's a subversiveness to it, a sort of like an outsider's perspective, uh, a commentary on, I would say like a, I don't know, like, like, you're, you're like a gossip magazine, in a sense. That, that's her thing. That's the way she does it. She really talks about the interpersonal relationships. I've watched a few of them in the, in the Gemara. And the reason why it's interesting is because she points out a lot of things that are 
critical, extremely critical of the personalities in the Gemara, pointing out things that, on, that are not complementary to Shas. So, I mean, what I do is I teach Mishnah. So there's a very limited amount of people who want to sit and watch and learn a Mishnah. But there it seems to be many more people who want to hear criticism of Chazal. So is, is that the way to do it? I mean, I mean the, it's not TikTok. I mean, she's great at the TikTok thing, and uh, she really, really, she's, she's mastered it. Like, and I'm not, I'm old, I'm, the, I'm get off my lawn, I understand that. But that's not, that's not what does it. It's, the, it's on the one hand, it's being in, and here's the daf, but at the same time, on being out and saying, really? That, that's really what it's about. That's, and I think, Molly, maybe that's what bothered you, but like, that's the underlying problem of the, it's not Talmud Torah because of that, that's the entire attitude. There's no connection to the divine. It's more of a, whoa, you, you would not believe what's going on it's when, a, we're, learning this, when we're learning this Gemara. And I don't I, think that's replicable if you want to create followers. That's not the way you, and like, by the way, it's really interesting. You could, you could talk about this in terms of, let's say, for example, Aish. Aish is trying to do this. They, they're now they're digital campaigns and whatever, and they're t- t- getting tremendous criticism because people are saying, it's not that they're saying anything not kosher, but people are like, that's not Aish, that's not Torah. You know what I'm saying? You want to share a picture of an apple and honey? Great, anybody could do that. Is that really what we need Aish or Torah for, to get likes on apples and honey or cool pictures? You, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I think... Yes, maybe we're infatuated because quickly by teaching Dafyomi, she's getting a lot of likes, but that's not the Dafyomi that I would teach, and I wouldn't want those likes. Molly, you wanted to respond. Oh, no, I just wanted to say, like, uh, you know, I just wanted to make it clear that, like, I, I think that for what, if I didn't say it before, I think that, again, what her, her goal is laudable, and she's achieving her goal in a really impressive way, which is basically what Johnny was saying. And the reason I wanted to respond was like... Wait, we haven't talked to her. We don't know what her goal is in creating okay, videos. Based on what she said in articles that I've read, that's it, which we can link, link if people are curious. No, no, we know right? why she's learning. We don't know why she's making these videos. Oh, no, I think she has said, I think we did, we did read an article where she said, I want to, I want to help people connect. Oh, okay. Um, I want to make things accessible. Um, and, and I think this she didn't say, but, but I thought this was... A, a, um, somebody else had said it, which is that like somebody else who... They said it on public on Facebook, so I think it's okay to say. Somebody said that they know her and, and that they that they really do think that this is what she's trying to do to to like give voice to people who don't necessarily have another voice or connection to Talmud. Um, but but what what I thought was a really nice point that somebody made in a different article was like for people who do feel so dis disenfranchised by by Torah and Gemara, or or they'll read things in the Gemara that are shocking. And I always thought that when I learned Daf Yomi, I was like, oh my gosh, like. You know, I'm glad this is esoteric because if, if like people would read some of the things that are said in here, like, <laughs> dear Lord, and there actually are anti-Semites who do that. There are like non-Jewish anti-Semites who like, have you seen that Talmud? I mean, that's been happening for generations, but whatever. Um, but I'm af- afraid for us. And like, I think that the way she does it through laughter and through subversion, right, is is a way in that's actually circumvents anger, right? And I think there's something very laudable about that, right? It's like, there, she... Like, yes, she's she's kind of making fun of it and she's, you know, like critiquing it, but she's not doing it. She's she's doing it in a way that like because of the ironic tone, because of the, you know, the whole like whatever word you want to use this, you know, modern approach. It's like a cultural way of of relating to the to the text criticizing it but like because there's like a because it's like funny and whatever so like you're because you're, it you're makes much, you deeply uncomfortable 
because some of the things it makes you but yes but she's not rejecting it that's right, that's right. what's really cool right. so she's my, able so to I do it in a way uh, and I question, think that now again yes you're saying my question why can't we do that for us again let's bring it back yeah. to us right my question so becomes that that is, I think now we're honing it this is why I wanted to have this conversation because we're right. really honing on on the issue for our children that yes. sarcasm it can right. be so corrosive as to be as to be completely destructive because she's on the outside. She's just like, I can say what I want and I want to connect. But you saw, you show this to a child who's being raised and has questions and has 100%. issues. And they say to themselves, yeah, I mean, really, I don't identify with that. It, it, you, it reminds me of that you sent, you sent an article on the, JT, uh, the JTA, an opinion article by David Svikalman. And he's like, no, this is like this kind of, it's commentary. This is the way we relate to Torah. And he's like, you know, I read Vayikra and I was like, really? Give me a break about that. Like, I, I exactly. want to connect to Torah. And I think that's really what what really bothers me, or I, I, what concerns me is that when you take Talmud Torah and you take out the, like you said, the connection to the divine. And connection to the divine means a sort of a suspension of the of the me of myself, an acceptance of that there's a Masora, that there's a tradition. Yes, I have to I have to negate myself and my skepticism and my sarcasm. And 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 and, tr and th there. That's why the word I, I wrote it down. The word reverence does come in. Not for mm -hmm. her. She can do whatever she wants. But if if we don't teach that sense of reverence, hundred percent. Then then the whole the whole house of cards is going to come falling for, down. For and us, it does. I agree, a hundred percent. I actually was speaking about this with, with somebody, and that's what I said. I said like, would you want this person to to teach your child? And they were like, no, no, I would not. And, and, and again, that doesn't mean that somebody else might not, might not want them to teach their child. If their child has zero connection and, and this is their world and it's a way of bringing them in, then great. But for us, I agree with you. And that's what most surprised me and concerned me. We're like, modern Orthodox educators are like, this is so awesome. And I'm like, but, but it's for our way of being in the world and our relationship to God and our relationship to our texts, it's, it's not there. It's not really because it's, it's everything you said. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Johnny, I'll, Johnny, I'll, I interrupt. I know I interrupt you. Exactly. I apologize. You had something, you had the second thing to say, but you might've wanted to respond to what I responded to you. Um, I was going to say two things. Uh, you, you focused quite a little about uh, Miriam herself. You know, some sometimes we take. I, I take the texts that I learn and teach seriously. I'd say super seriously, and I know that impacts perhaps on the amount that that travels or the or the viral nature of my post. That's not the goal of why I write or what I do, and and, and I'm totally happy with that. But nevertheless, right now the current Jewish people is in need of ideas to go far and go wide. So we do need to harness the tools at our disposal to share Torah as, as far as we can. And maybe I can be part of that solution, maybe not, but there's no question that somebody as talented as Miriam, I'd say very much can be part of that solution. And there's a certain lightness of touch of sharing ideas in a way that resonates to people that I think can be very, very powerful, notwithstanding the fact that at least some of the commentaries she's given perhaps may not quite be agreeable to the way I read those texts. I think applying that style to other texts would be wonderful. It kind of reminds me, and I don't know if you've ever encountered the teachings of Joel Grishova, uh, who was very much uh, uh, you know, a, a well-known educator in the reform movement, but he had a, a lightness of touch in teaching Talmud and Halakha that uh, engaged many, many peop people. And I see something 
somewhat similar. I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying do. that the tone. I mean, you don't have to have her her sarcasm. You can have her lightness and her tone and her fun, and, and that could. I mean, if if you found it, if you had that. I mean, I don't speak TikTok. I mean, it's clear we don't speak TikTok, but clearly, maybe you were saying is we need more TikTokers. Right. Uh, and I was going to say a further thing, and I was just looking at before, I can't remember if it's a, it's a parable of the Dubna Market or somebody else, which describes how an artist uh, created a beautiful sculpture of a horse in, in a town square, and nobody looked at it. And they were troubled, why is that the case? And they said, it just looks like a horse. Who pays attention to a horse? Make a crack in the sculpture, and then people will realize it's a piece of art, and they'll look more. And they did, and that's what happened. And I mentioned that because I remember when I started writing reviews of books, and I, I certainly don't want to be unkind to writers, so oftentimes I only focused on the good. And a friend of mine said, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, but actually I don't pay attention much to your reviews when you only write nice things. You need to be able to be critical, but in a way that's constructive. That will lead me to read your reviews more because it's more engaging. I said, fair enough. I, we, whether we think that Miriam herself has, has taken that too far, that's a whole different conversation. But being able to teach Torah in a way that is meaningful and yet does highlight the cracks as well as uh, the beauty of that text, I think that's the goal. I think some of the greatest modern Orthodox teachers did just that. And that's why there was lessons to be learned about how to use technology to teach Torah further. That doesn't mean necessarily replicating what she's doing, but it is saying, as three educators, what are we doing about reaching those many people that she's reaching that we are not? Johnny, I have to like respectfully disagree with your framing. Because when you say things like, she's, she's doing it great, but she's taking it too far, it makes me feel like... I didn't, I didn't say that. And again, anybody wants my particular opinion, feel free okay, to write Okay, but I think that's, 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 the... that's important because to me, like, I don't think we're disagreeing, but I think we are disagreeing, right? Like what we're saying... <laughs> well, meaning, either you are or you're not. <laughs> no, I'm saying Johnny is now coming out and talking about all the wonderful things about what she's doing and saying there's a lot, you know, we have to take the positive in what she's doing. And I'm saying I agree with that. No, I'm saying it's it's a, it's fascinating to see how she's harnessing a platform. The question is, can we learn right. okay. lessons uh, about how to harness Okay, but, I, but what Ruby's asking is the tough question, which is if we aren't, if for us, what we're doing is Avodat Kodesh, right? And we are, we're not ever going to let go of that piece of it, right? And I think that's really like a, that I think what this comes down to, right? If you take yourself seriously as a mechanic, right? You can like, and you think that what you're doing is is um, trying to reveal what Hashem wants. Like, let's just get as bare to the bone as as we can. You know, that's what you're doing. You're teaching Torah. Torah is is for us the the revelation of the divine word and how to be in this world, right? And what God wants of us in this world and how to understand the world and how to understand all of that stuff. If that is going to there, if, if that's your goal, it could be that you're in a different like arena completely than what she's doing. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because there, there's, there's See, Molly, certain... it's interesting. It reminds me of like, you know, we used to complain about, you know, you hear the story about the mechanchim that, the, the child would ask a question, the mechanic would be like, you can't ask that question, don't ask that question. You know what I'm saying? And of oh, course, that's not productive. I'm going to let me finish. Yeah. But I, I, sound, I feel like we're going the entire opposite direction, that like the only legitimate teaching, not the only, but 
like, oh, this is great because, you know, it's, you have to challenge and you have to ask and you have to question. And I actually want to come back to this in a minute, but I think, Johnny, it might be the mahout is the problem, not the, not, not the right, medium. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's two different ways of teaching Torah. So, yes, we can learn a lot from, from her style, but there are certain things about the way that we, if we take ourselves seriously as mechanchim, are going to teach Torah, which, again, doesn't mean that we can't have uh, lightheartedness and humor and critique. We can have all those things. But if there's Yerat Shamayim, right, then there, there are always going to be certain lines that we're not going to cross. And, and, and therefore, we're not going to be able, again, like, it's two different products. That's, that's, and again, I'm not saying the other product is a bad product, but it's not the same product, essentially. Johnny, you want to answer or we can, we can take a break? Uh, I, I don't think the conversation is about the product bichlal. Uh, I'm talking again about somebody who is, I think, giving a master class to educators about how to harness certain platforms to take content and share it wide. Uh, I, I've made it very clear. Johnny, interesting. This goes back to our discussion, discussion about platforms and goals. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, the essence of platforms of social media, and I would definitely argue the same thing about Twitter. It could very well be that you cannot ever teach Torah on Twitter because the whole point of Twitter is to belittle and to be sarcastic and to be nasty and to be negative. I really believe that. Or in the same way. Exactly. That, and this, Johnny, I think that's really, I mean, we, I don't feel like, I don't want to be getting up on you, but this, we have long wanted to have a conversation with you about social media because I have that big question mark, right? Which is like, Wait, so I'm writing true. this down. Like, We're going to talk about three jobs, right? like, social is, media. We have to keep our is, list. Is the, by definition, if you guys on the, the outside medium, have other topics, uh, let us know. Yeah. We, we always take suggestions. Like, are we self-limited? Right. And, and Johnny, your attitude is like, oh, self-media is awesome because it can do all those things. But the point is, but there are also things that it can't do. And there are also things about it that that run counter to to, to things that are essential to us. Correct. Correct. That's so, why I so, don't think it's a know, spectrum it, thing. Wait, let, let's take a break. Let's, so, uh, we got to take yeah. one break. We let Johnny have his commercial for his online rabbi thing. Or maybe it's me. I don't know. We'll see what we insert. <laughs> and we'll be back. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. So many Jews around the world are searching for a daily learning program that will bring them meaning and allow them to accomplish real learning in a reasonable amount of time. Hey everybody, my name is Ruben Spolter. I live in Israel in Yad Vinyamit. And for a number of years, for many years, I've been teaching daily Mishnah and what's called the Mishnah Yomit program over YouTube. Mishnah is a wonderful way to have daily learning. It includes all of the knowledge of Shas. It's compact. You can cover it in a reasonable amount of time. If you fall behind, which happens to all of us, you can catch up pretty easily. And really, Mishnah is an incredible source of knowledge for, for Jewish wisdom. It's the, the source text of everything about Tarash Balper oral tradition. So I invite you to join me in this incredible project. So many people have reached out from around the world. We've had hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds if not thousands of participants. Make Mishnah Yomi daily learning a part of your life. The sages tell us the Gemara Nida, Tana Debe Eliyahu. It taught in the house of Eliyahu. Kol b'chol yom, shuben Anyone who studies Shoneh, who repeats Halachot every day, it's a promise that he is a Ben Olam Haba. So, first, I just want to point out two things. Halachot, Rashi says, 
Mishnah Ubraita Halacha Lemoshe Misinai. Really, in their times, Halacha was Mishnah. And he focuses on Bechol Yom every day. Someone who studies every day, we promise, he's promised to be a person, a Ben Olam Abba, a person who has a portion of the world to come because I believe it's obvious. A person who studies Mishnah every day, he brings spirituality and meaning into his life on a daily basis. I invite you to join me in this Mishnah project. We have a website, a WhatsApp group, a Telegram channel. There are so many ways for you to join and be part of daily learning together as we learn Mishnah Yomit. Make it a great day. Okay, we're back, and we're in the middle of a heated discussion about, really about, I want to sort of reframe it in a sense, and sort of uh, discuss it, the same discussion, but turn it in a, in a, in a d- different direction. And this is the issue of creating boundaries or limits in Talmud Torah. Mali sort of referenced this. And, and I actually want to begin to frame the question, I'll start with Johnny, but to frame the question by mentioning Dafyomi from like literally two days ago, a story in Dafyomi from two days ago that I would just tell you Miriam Manzman mentioned and she alluded to and really well. She actually, she did it very, very well. Um, and the story says the following. The story says that Rebbe made a gzera. Rebbe made a gzera that said, and Johnny, you wrote about this too. Rebbe made a gzera yeah. that you could not teach Torah in the shuk. And his Talmud, Rebbe Chia, for reasons that are unclear, doesn't say why, um, he decided, uh, he, taught, he taught his, what is this, nephews, his sons-in-law, Johnny Ruhrman, he taught, nephews. he taught his nephews Torah in the shuk. And purpose, he, re- he rebelled against the gzera that Rebbe made. And Rebbe found out about it, and Rebbe made it clear that he was mad about this. He was upset about this. And Rabbi Chia, the Gemara says this, the topic is nidui, is uh, you know, putting yourself in sort of a small excommunication. Rabbi Chia put himself in self-nidui, he put himself in timeout for 30 days. And so Rebbe finally called him, he's like, why, you know, like there was a whole discussion back and forth about why did you do this, why didn't you do this? And I thought it was really, really interesting, because on the one hand, like, this is ex- it's, like, it's a metaphor for this whole discussion. Rabbi made a Rabbi said, listen, Talmud Torah has limits. And Rabbi Chia, he pushed against those limits. He's like, you know, and Rabbi had his reasons. I've thought about what the reasons were. I think it's really interesting. And Rabbi Chia was like, no, no, those limits were free. Maybe you're right, but how can we not teach Torah in the shuk? You know, and, and or on TikTok or whatever you want to say, you know, how can we not teach Torah? But nonetheless, I think the difference now is that when Rabbi Chia cared very much what Rabbi thought, and when he found out that Rebbe was upset with him, Rabbi Chia put himself in Nidui because he knew that without his connection to Rebbe, any Torah that he taught in the Shuk would be meaningless. And, and I think that that's really, like, I struggle with this idea of, like, on the one hand, you know, like, there, obviously criticism is critical in Talmud Torah and, and coming with a sense of questioning. That is what Talmud Torah is all about. But where is that balance? There's a line because... If, the, if, the, if it's unlimited questioning and anything I think is accurate and my, you know, it comes from my perspective is the most important, it's, it's me-centered, and I want the Torah to, to, to either conform or not conform, but I accept it or reject it based on my values, that's, to me, not, that's, that's very problematic. On the other hand, if I accept, you know, willy-nilly, that's also not a great idea. I want to, so how do we find that balance in this crazy world in which we're, you know, everything is about me and everything is about is subjective, and I define my own denomination and I define my own sense of beliefs. So, how do we convey the other sense, the Rabchia sense of pushing back, but at the same time having a sense of boundaries and limits to say I push back with a sense of, with a sense of awe, with a sense of caring, 
and that if Rebbe is upset at me, that's meaningful and, and it should matter. I'll respond. I think there's somewhat of a confusion between reverence and, and respect and presence. Uh, I, I'm somebody who, uh, perhaps because of the reverence, means that much of the things I write won't go viral. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that because uh, one needs to know one's lane. We began with that. But here's a reality check. The reality check is over to about 75% of non-Orthodox Jews in America uh, are intermarrying or not identifying as Jews. They're not in Shul. They're not in Monty. They're not in Lakewood, right? They're not in Silver Spring. They're on TikTok and they're on Twitter and they're on Facebook. And that's the shook. And it's absolutely right for us to be having this conversation about getting the balance right. And I think we all agree, even if there's some fine-tuning in terms of where we stand, we all you know, strongly agree that Torah should be taught with reverence, in whichever definition uh, you understand of that Gemara and Brachas. But we need to be present. And that's why, really, that's what I'm trying to emphasize, which is I look at people, I say, I, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't agree with some of the things you're saying. But wow, you're, you're able to be present in a place where other Jews are. And where you get less than two minutes to say your stuff, probably not even less than a couple of, more than a couple of seconds when a person is scrolling. And you, if you can get people to stop and say, that's interesting, and better still, you're able to do that within the boundaries of respect for Amasura, which is a very big caveat I totally understand, then we have a chance. But I would say we spoke about the modern Orthodox community, and too much of us are still limited to the shuk that is familiar to us, to people that are similar to us. And yeah, I but John, Johnny, my concern, I understand say, what you're saying about the 75%, yo, and there's the Asia there. people do it, and there's, all the, there's tons of cure people that try to do that. I'm worried about the, the 25%, or not the 25%, the 5% that I'm trying to raise, honestly. Uh, you know, I understand, I understand what you're saying. I really do. They need to be present and try to reach out. And there are a lot of people that do that with cooking videos and cool music and, you know, people jumping and doing, you know, you know, jumping all over the old city. Like, they're trying. I, I really, I, and I respect what they're trying to do. But I'm much more concerned about the, the 10% that we have still in our courtyard. That are, that, and, and what are the ramifications or the what, how do we educate them to find that fine line when they go out in the world, after they leave your yeshiva or your sem, both of you are doing this. They're going to leave your sem and go to secular colleges. You know, that, that's, you know, I don't do this. You do this much more than me. And th there are the people that I'm worried about that are in the base midrash now. And they're going to go to the base midrash in their college for the first month. And then they're going to have a question. And they're going to wonder, do I really want to keep doing this or not? And some of them will, and some of them won't. Yet, yet, it, I, that's my Which is why, actually, our voices are, are important to that community. For us to say, uh, I mean, to say it in a delicate way, me, right? That's not how I do things. That's not how I think things should be done. But I want, they're going to be going out and they're going to be ambassadors to those other 75%. So they need to be strong. And they need to understand that if they have the lingo that I don't, to harness those platforms to share what they know is a chiv. Mali. I would love for you to respond. The five percent, the seventy-five percent, whatever. Yeah, look again. I feel like I've somehow been cast into as as the crazy, you know, um, fundamentalist on here. 
Um, Finally, I'm not the crazy fundamentalist. <laughs> I don't mean to be. Like I, I respect and agree with everything Johnny's saying, but I, I, I will voice the voice of the crazy fundamentalist because I feel like somebody has to. So I'll be it. Um, right, again, Molly, okay. that's common. It's okay. so interesting to me that you think that saying what you're about to say is crazy fundamentalism. And think about that. Is it really? Right. And okay, you feel so, that you need to couch it in that way and to apologize for it. And what does that say right. about us? Okay, and, and, right, because because we're modern Orthodox, and therefore we're 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 all much wait, wait, more say you're crazy fundamentalist okay, person, then right. think about that. Right, but I'm just saying we're all much more comfortable doing the Johnny thing that Johnny's doing right now, which I agree with 100%. Which is, and there's room, and we and we see the beauty. But you know what? Even us, even we, modern Orthodox, have our lines, and I think that you're right, and I think we have to. And I got there's so much to talk about here, obviously, right? Because like if I if I say I I think about this when I teach all the time. If I'm going to say something fundamentalist, what's going to happen when my student goes to college and then she thinks back at what I said? Will she then no longer see me as a role model, right? And that's a problem. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say anything now that when she is exposed to the world outside, will she then think back and 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 be like, wow, that crazy fundamentalist, right? <laughs> and I don't want that to happen. Um, I don't. I don't want people to feel like I'm not always accessible. At the same time, I, 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 I do have in me the pull that says like, sometimes you have to stake your claims and draw your lines, and and make clear where your boundaries are, um, because like, otherwise, what are we doing? Like, if we believe in these bound, like, do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Wait, if didn't we, you if said we somebody actually, said to me? Like that in the seminary that yeah yeah often, I was gonna say it you did say it so you say it no so, so in my seminary where I teach so there's a giant spectrum of like um, of of hashkafot and there's one rav who is extremely like boundaried I would say right like he doesn't kibitz around and you know make funny quippy jokes with the girls and doesn't make Torah relevant he he once tried to bring a relevant um, um, you know, contemporary qu- thing, it was Megillah Gorilla. None of the girls knew what he was talking about, right? Like, that was his, like, con- um, but the amount of respect that the students have for this rough, because he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't feel the need to make Torah hip, cool, or relevant. He thinks that, like, he, he, he's so in love with Torah, and he believes in it so passionately, and he's so dignified that he... He, he stands up for the Kavod Torah and the students respect him for it so deeply. And I'm not saying there isn't complexity also because I don't agree with every single hashkafic or halachic position that, that a person like that is going to say and that usually comes together. But like, how do we do that? How do we do both of those things, right? How do we stand for Kavod HaTorah and for, as you're saying, Yirat Shamayim and also like Masorah and, and believing in a Masorah and 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 and, and Yiras Chachamim and all of those things which I think we believe. How how do we keep 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 that in our own world, right? You would like kind of it was like a question about how we do that for ourselves. And for me, I was thinking, well, for me, it's like I say Lecharav, and I, I keep I just look to like the models, you know. It's and it always comes back, you know. That's the, the models that I have in my life, and 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 the people who who to me are the pillars of how you do it properly, you know. Um, I feel that in our community, we're not so good at that. We're not, we're not good so at it. That. We're not good at it. And that's, and that's I, where we're starting to say. And I say that first person, you know, may I call Yeah, and that's where the it. conversation goes back to the beginning. We're not good at it. And, and, and I think 
that's why to me the awareness at least like can we at least like can we at least start by saying that like Talmud Torah should be about like Avodah Hashem? Like, wh- why are people not like people don't even have that sensibility so much in our world? So like, I think we have to stand up for those things, and then once we've stood up for those things and said those things, we can also say all kinds of other things. And then and you can make TikTok videos about it. Yeah, and hope that they you work. could have a broad tent, and and you could appreciate all. Th- but like, let's like. Like, again, like, I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm the crazy fundamentalist. But I'm like, you know what? Like, I, can't you just see your listening getting up in, in the base medrash and being like, we bono shalom. Like, it's terrible. We bono shalom. I mean, yeah, I like, be dead. you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, like, oh, but we also have Purim spiels, but we have lines. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? We do. We have lines. Um, and, and we have to be... For ourselves, for ourselves. I'm not policing anybody else in so what they want to do. So it's interesting, because I wrote right? on my Facebook post, I quoted like the Machloket Hillel and Shammai, and somebody wrote a comment today. It's still going. It's fascinating that I wrote this thing a few days ago, and people are still commenting. And somebody said, I always get nervous when somebody starts quoting Shammai, you know. And I said, I wrote back, I said, always, I, I sometimes get nervous that we forget that there is a position of Shammai. You know, that, 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 there, and, and that we only think that Hillel exists, and Chazal brought both. Because they understood Correct. that there was a balance. Right. That's I my agree, fear. hundred percent. And I think we have to always be balanced. I feel like we're ganging up on Johnny, so we have to give Johnny a chance yeah, to respond. I don't think, I don't I'm sure he agrees with I don't, I don't think, think you're ganging up. I think you're describing the base yeah. medrash to which I belong and to which I affiliate, to which I'm a proud member. But I'm not talking about that because that's not what TikTok is. You know, <laughs> the Myra Bayham, I mean, <laughs> the, the word cool was very far from them. It's probably very far from me as well. The point is, but that's the world that I inhabit. That's the world that you inhabit. That's the world that we're trying to nudge uh, our students to at least associate with and where possible inhabit. But that's not the conversation. But that's not... Ma- I think it might saying. be the difference is that Johnny lives in a modern Orthodox world. He grew up in a... Mo- that's very different than the one that we grew up in. Meaning but I in the, I in the really UK, in the when you world. talk about the Orthodox world, it does not... It, it's much less insular and people are much more maybe that's what it's coming from that Johnny sees like the base medrash is much smaller than we see it is that possible or or, or? it's not I see it the base medrash is small wake up the base medrash is very small and the numbers of people in there are, are at least in certain communities dwindling by the hour and you know, there is, uh, I mean, we talk about two Bate Midrashes in, in Chazal. We got the yeshiva of, uh, yeshiva of Yitzchak, you got the yeshiva of Shemba Eva. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky has this beautiful idea, which I often quote. Yeshiva of Shemba Eva is about survival terror. And, and we're at a point where we need to reach out. I'm not putting Miriam Anzavin on, on a platform and saying, be her. I'm s- looking at her and saying, I, I have genuine issues about certain things. But that's not, as I say, our focus of conversation. Yeah, but, okay. The question is, yeah, what are we doing? And when I and the qu- when we began the conversation, how come there's so much interest? I think it's because we're saying, how did she pull off talks about Gomorrah and attract so much attention? Could be sass, it could be style, it could be language, it could be criticism, or it could be that she's really, really good at what she's doing. Good. And maybe we need to be better at what we're doing. Because uh, until we step up and grow in confidence as, or- as modern Orthodox Jews and stand beyond the Bet Midrash and be in regular newspapers and regular TV and regular radio, 
then we're already um, you know, not doing enough to connect and reconnect with our brothers and sisters who are drifting, who are waiting for our call and whom we're not calling out to. All right, I, I think I'd like to leave that, leave it, leave this okay, discussion well, I there. Just You're right, give Johnny the last word because he always says it so nicely. Yeah. And, and no, 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 no. no. Don't work that way. No, let Molly. Yeah, I because I, f- I feel like I, I don't disagree with you, Johnny. Like, no, I think the no, difference. The no, word. no, I do want Johnny to have the last word because I agree. He always let, let him say, let him have last word after I say this thing. Because again, I <laughs> it's low naively, like low naively, like oh yes, I am against you know reaching out to the Jews of the. I didn't world. say you were against that. You know, but I, I'm saying that. But what I'm echoing kind of what Ruby was saying before, which is, I think we have to also see to our, like, you're kind of assuming that it's obvious that, like, we know how to educate our own children and we know how to educate them to Yeras Shamayim. No, we don't. And it's not happening. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we're like, really not good at that. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that, like, I mean, the thing that I said before is not obvious to them, right? Some of them it is and some of them it isn't. But, the, like, we are not clear about our own boundaries. And I think first we have to be clear about our own boundaries, and then once we're clear about our own boundaries, like this, this is like a, just like my theory. Like isn't the, isn't the, the unorthodox condition? And then you can move to the macro. Isn't and, our and whole Johnny, condition of unorthodoxy, like you know, moving boundaries, and that's the whole struggle of our lives? And we're not clear because that's what it is. The seder, but then it, if that's the struggle, then we have to work harder on being clear. That we have to. If 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 the balance is tipping and there's too much um, out. Then we need to push back towards the end. That's all I'm saying. Now we'll give my, Johnny. Now you give me the last word. I, it's not, you know, I fancy I don't seek the last word. <laughs> we just I'm give not, it to you. We like what you have. Word. The last word in this discussion. Um, I, I think you know. I I think I I want the last word to actually be the one of our listeners because actually what we've had here is an unscripted conversation which has gone in directions I think that all three of us didn't quite see coming, and we've highlighted issues that really touch on our soul because each of us believe deeply and committed to deeply in, in learning Torah and learning Torah with your Shemaim and each of us are committed to raising families and raising students with that in mind and here is an, somebody who identifies somewhat as being an outsider and why are we talking about her? That was the regional question and you may well say it's disrupting our world which could be true and I think there's some evidence of that but I also think it's pointing to a world beyond our world. And that tension, I think, is interesting, and I'd love to hear our, the thoughts of our listeners. Let them be the last word to this conversation. Fair enough. Or shall we say, the beginning of a new chapter of the conversation. Fair enough. Very good. Uh, I want to, we'll, we'll stop here. Actually, we haven't done, uh, what, what do we call it? We haven't shared... Um, Hamlatso. Hamlatso. I have, I have Hamlatso. I didn't ask you. I didn't remind oh, you. Do you have I anything have great? You have one. So I, oh, Samal, you go first. John, if you have sure. one, great. If not, we didn't talk okay. about it before. My Hamlatsa is um, Encanto, this movie. Encanto, <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. It's so good. Everybody should watch it. Um, the person who recommended it to me was actually a therapist, and she said it's about intergenerational trauma. Um, and that's, it is. And I, I think it's, it's about intergenerational trauma, and it's about, I will use a phrase from mindfulness, it's about learning how to be perfectly imperfect. And it is beautifully done. It is a beautiful movie. The music is amazing. Um, it, 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 the story is wonderful, um, and everybody should see it. So you liked it, I'm. You're saying I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. What do you think of Spider Man? Did you like Spider Man? Did not see it. Although I just know that my son said that the entire Spider Man was like th- all the Spider Mans crying through the movie. <laughs> Johnny, uh, do you have a hamata? I don't. I don't you, you can, it's okay not to. I don't. I don't. I didn't know to have, and, and I don't 
think I've come up with something sufficiently impressive enough to share, but um, I just, uh, no, I haven't. Okay, that's fine. I want to just, it's, I don't know if it's a hamlatsa, I want to mention and take note that the President of Israel, Yitzhak Buji Herzog, just spent the last couple of days in the UAE, in the United Arab Emirates. And I saw recently just a very short piece about the fact that he, he went there unshaven. And the reason he went there unshaven is because he's in mourning for his mother who passed away, and he's in Shloshim. And I found it very heartwarming that the President of Israel, mm. you know, he's, he has this Shloshim beard, and he goes, and it was a really, really important state visit. The first time they ever played Hatikva in, in, you know, in, in United Arab Emirates, and even like, you know, the hardened Israeli reporters are all like, you know, it was like, it's a big deal. And nonetheless, the president of Israel, he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in mourning, I'm in a velut for my mom. And he didn't shave. And I found that a beautiful thing, that, to stand for the values of his tradition. And I'm quite sure that his, uh, his hosts valued that quite a bit as well. Which and fits very nicely into our conversation. Yeah. When you stand up for your values, it's often very much. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll cut it up. We'll stop here. Uh, I want to thank Rabbi Nibalabrevsky and Rabbi Johnny Solomon for our, for this, like, really, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. An interesting conversation. You never know where it's going to go. And uh, I learn something every time. I really do. That's when I feel it goes, it, it, it's, it's uh, productive. And I hope our listeners le learn something as well. I want to thank my son, Petachia Spolter, for our music. If you are listening on the Apple store, on the Apple whatever, Please rate us because other people will find it. If you're listening on anything else, just share the, li share the link. If you enjoy RZ, the RZ goodness, please share the RZ goodness with your friends, your family, your WhatsApp groups, so that more people uh, jump on the RZ weekly bandwagon. Again, my name is Ruben Spalter. Thanks, everybody. Make it a great week.